Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Knight of Swords and Alexander the Great. Today she will focus on the Queen of Swords in Atlanta. Myth and Tarot Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, swords, and symbols And all of the above Welcome to Myth Tarot Love, a show about ancient stories and new aged wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Today we're talking about the Queen of Swords. Yay. I'm excited. <laughs> you of, like her a lot, I think. I, I've been a Queen of Swords fangirl for a long time. Okay. Um, Perfect. It's, it's probably because of, like, when I, whenever I'm in trouble or, like, whenever I'm, I go to the tarot personally for my own personal readings the queen of swords normally shows up mm. so i kind of see her as my own personal helper she's like your fairy godmother of the tarot almost. a little bit yeah. a little bit um which is interesting because she uh she does kind of remind me of my mother a little bit sometimes mm. although it has a different personality type than i'm what i'm associating her with in um the meyer briggs today mm-hmm. uh yeah so Queen of Swords, um, she's a lot of things, and you know I think that's kind of that's kind of one of um, that's one of the things we should mention is that just because we're associating tarot with certain personality types, that doesn't mean that only those personality types can be represented by mm-hmm. uh, by the Queen of Swords. Like there's a little bit of Queen of Swords in all of us, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, actually, there's a little bit of every card in all of us because mm-hmm. human beings are complex. Yes, <laughs> and uh, we cannot be summarized by um, ar- by archetypes alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the archetypes of the tarot alone. However, let us explore this particular archetype, the Queen of Swords. Uh, first, I'm going to describe the way that she is presented in the Rider Waite Smith tarot deck. Um, so. It's like, okay, so the first thing I see, of course, is the sky, and it's really different than the previous two cards that we've looked at, mm-hmm. where there's kind of this wind that's blowing, when I think it's really interesting that we still have that tree Yeah, I was just noticing that. You still see, like, the exact same tree, and it's still blowing. It, kind of. Not really, though. It's more like it's kind of finally settled, um, mm-hmm. and the main thing, that I, I would say that the largest difference is the way the sky is, mm-hmm. right? So you have this blue sky on top, and the, it's like all the clouds have just fallen to the ground, and you finally have this clarity, and straight up, pointing up to the sky is that sword in the queen's right hand, right? And it's almost like the sword is is being idealized here, right? Where you mm-hmm. really have that ideal of the sword cutting through the smoke mm. that's happening, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what I see being pictured here because you have all the clouds that are just settling around her throne and, uh, you know, waist up, she's got blue sky. And right above her head, there's even a bird. Mm-hmm. There's a bird that's flying. And I think uh, what that represents is very much this freedom of thought, that's happening, Very right? Cool. Like what's also kind of neat though is that you can see the whole sword. Too. Yes, we can finally see the whole sword. So here we have and I, I would say that this is kind of showing the the full value of the sword. Mm-hmm. And um it's kind of like the the partiality that was 
that was happening with the page and the knight is finally being re completely revealed. And the Queen of Swords is very much known for revealing full pictures, right? For making making people perhaps aware of the full picture mm. um, rather than just the just parts of it, just parts of the strength of the sword, right? right. Um, so clarity of mind is a huge part here. Um, I would say, so, yeah, so the, the fact that we see the whole sword is definitely a symbol. Um, she's also wearing this cape of clouds, mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting. It's it's almost like she's, it's almost like she's part of the sky itself, right? And the thing that's kind of interesting about clouds is that it's very much a combination of air and water elements. Mm -hmm. um, and similarly, that's what's happening with the Queen of Swords. You have combination of air and water elements as well. Mm. Um, feminine energies are normally considered or are normally associated with either earth or water. Um, and masculine um, energies are normally associated with air and, and fire. And when you have a cloud, you have a combining of the female and the masculine energies um, because you have the water combining with air. This is just from like traditional thinking, I, sh I should say, by the way. Uh, as we all know, elements are not just four elements anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, in kind of the more traditional thinking, this is the way we would, we would associate these, um, these symbols, right? She also has a bunch of butterflies, like, on her crown. She does, yes. And could that I'm, also be, like, the air element? Air, definitely. The butterfly is definitely part of that air element. But the butterfly also has another... Um, additional meaning to it, and that is the, the meaning of transformation, right? Um, so the the two, I would say there's how many butterflies? One, two, three, four, four, five, six, but like two half butterflies. <laughs> two of those butterflies are like half butterflies, so five to six butterflies perhaps. Um, we have a lot of butterflies. Uh, they There are three on her throne, and uh, about three that are visible as her crown. And I think it's really awesome that the Queen of Swords has a crown of butterflies, mm -hmm. a crown of golden butterflies, because the butterfly is a symbol of transformation, right? And the fact that it's around her head, remember that crowns often symbol symbolize like divine rights. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like she's divinely um, been given clarity of mind, mm. right? And uh, and as such, she sees a truth that is much clearer than anyone else, right? She sees a very, tr a very clear truth, and the way that she is um, holding her hand around the other sword, it's kind of like she's praising this truth, and this is what she uses to guide her life, um, is this concept of absolute truth, um, which is very dangerous concept in itself, <laughs> right? But also a very powerful one. Um, and the fact that she's able to see above all the clouds, right? She doesn't get, um, and, and some of those clouds are even kind of stormy looking as well. Um, the stormier ones are by her feet, which I think is also a nice symbol there that um, it's like almost anything that's, anything that would ruffle other people's feathers, if you will, would um, just kind of fall before her. Um, and if I'm going to use the symbol of the bird again, you know, she's able to soar above it, right? Um, so yeah, she's got all these symbols of air, which are very much masculine. And similarly, she has kind of an amb 
uh, ambidextrous quality to her. She's not really considered purely masculine or purely feminine, um, although she is a queen, right? Um, and I don't really know how I feel about that, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, I've always thought of the Queen of Swords um, as more feminine than masculine, but, uh, but traditionally her qualities have always been considered to be more masculine ones. And it's very rare that we will see a Queen of Swords in the media, for example. Like, so if we're going to compare her to some of the other queens we've seen so far, we saw the Queen of Cups, which if I were to stereotype her would be like your damsel in distress. Um, and then we saw the Queen of Pentacles, which is, if I were to stereotype her, is kind of like your ideal mother, stay-at-home mom figure, right? Um, and then you have the Queen of Swords, who isn't either of those. Um, so normally in, in media, they would probably portray her most like a villain, mm. right? Um, so she would probably be more like your stepmom figure from Disney or like maybe even... Um, like one of like an evil witch character. Ursula. <laughs> yeah, or... she would be more considered one of those. Um, and like, there's there's always been this really like negative connotation around women having the kind of power that the Queen of Swords does, right? So, at least when you're looking at media, there's this kind of sense to it. Um, and similarly, the Queen of Swords, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of interpretations where. Uh, she can be interpreted as being bitchy <laughs> or um, or just like really a, a stick up her ass or whatever, right? Like, uh, um, yeah, so the Queen of Swords hasn't always been portrayed very well, but I think this is a really unfair portrayal of her because the power that she emb embodies, I think, is really, um, I think it makes people nervous. Mm. <laughs> um, and on top of that, she doesn't really care if she's offending you. Right, because she, what she cares about way more than people's emotions or people or people's sensibilities, if you will, is getting at the heart of the matter. Right, so like she does have a sense of she does have emotion to her, mm -hmm. um, but she tends to rise above it. Right, um, she she doesn't normally want to let it influence her, but it can. Um, so if like she can get very passionate about something, and it will really. Um, it will really strengthen her resolve in order to pursue it. So she's not completely above emotion, which I think is partly why you you see so many clouds um, in this picture yeah. as well. You see the clouds are very are very dense and very thick mm -hmm. around her, but she does rise above it, and I think that's a really important quality. And the thing about the Queen of Swords is she's often portrayed as um, at, like as being kind of lonely which I don't necessarily think might be true, <laughs> right? Um, what I think she is is very inspiring um, because she has such a clear mind and clear idea of how things should be based off of her idealizing truth above all else, right? Um, she's able to really just cut through any bullshit. Like, if someone comes over to her and starts, like, saying something that is, you know, even a little bit wrong, she will really... She'll really zoom in on that, and she won't just um, she won't just tear down their arguments. She'll also maybe tear down the person a little bit, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? She doesn't really care about being um, being careful about tearing down uh, poor arguments, if you will, right? So when this comes up in a reading, yeah, what is it generally saying? Okay, so it can it can say a lot of things, um, but like I'm gonna first first go from the 
the perspective of the helper, right? So if this comes up in a reading, I would say that the Queen of Swords is telling a person to really rise above um, emotional matters, for one thing. Um, and it would probably be telling the person to kind of take on some of her strength um, where she is yeah, so where, where she would just kind of cut through any lies or slander and just kind of see the bigger picture for what it is. Um, and once again, she's holding, the way she holds up the sword is, that's, that's her way of life is, you know, um, she's saying don't necessarily care about people's sensibilities. Um, truth is all that matters in this case, in this situation, right? Uh, if she's showing up as an obstacle, she could definitely rep be representing a person that's in your way, and in this case, uh, this is probably where those qualities of bitchiness <laughs> might might um, be easier for people to relate to, right? Um, they say she has a very stern upper lip, and she's very stoic um, in her demeanor, um, meaning that she she doesn't really give a lot away of how she's feeling at any one time. She's just a very strong, like stern woman, right? But she can also, of course, be a man. Um, because tarot doesn't necessarily care if uh, your person in real life is a man or a woman. If they're acting more like the Queen of Swords, everyone has a Queen of Swords in them, right? That's mm -hmm. in some ways. So, uh, yeah, if she's showing up as an obstacle, she can be a really hard obstacle to overcome. It could also mean that perhaps your arguments are not as well thought out as you thought they were. Um, or perhaps your perception of the truth is is lacking some somewhat and uh, the Queen of Swords is there to really if she's showing up as an obstacle she's going to tear it down she's going to tear down any any little detail that you might have overlooked and um, and the thing about it though is that you won't even realize it's there until she points it out to you <laughs> right uh, and I think that's another reason why she's so much associated with the butterfly is that she really transforms people's way of thinking mm. um, and sometimes even the person themselves, right? They'll come, they come out of an encounter with her very changed and sometimes, and people don't really like change also, <laughs> right? So, uh, so yeah, they don't necessarily like her as a person, but they'll, they'll definitely be inspired by her. Um, and perhaps even, uh, want to follow her as well. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that's kind of, normally where she shows up more as like in in the helper obstacle but of course she can also represent something in the reader as well mm -hmm. um so like she can show up as a person in your past or a person in your future um when, wherever she shows up she's sure to she's sure to make an impact that's yeah <laughs> a transformative impact mm -hmm. okay so uh queen of swords in the meyer briggs personality type I would associate her most closely to the ENTP personality type. So um, this is extroverted, of course, um, intuitive as opposed to sensing, thinking as opposed to feeling, and perceiving as opposed to judging. So what this means is uh, the ENTP is the kind of person that really cares about um, thoughts, like like. Uh, logical thoughts as opposed to feelings and matters of the heart um, and they are not afraid to tell you because they are extroverted <laughs> they're gonna really well you know introverts not will also not be afraid to tell you but when it comes to an extrovert it's almost it's almost like they just they can't hold back that. they need to tell you what they, they think. need to tell you what they think yeah um, so 
And that's, of course, a very, you know, stereotypical, but some famous ENTPs that I thought people might be able to relate with, uh, like characters at least, um, are Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm -hmm. So uh, think about kind of his argumentative style, <laughs> right? Um, he was always like an argument... Uh, but at the same time, people don't necessarily like him, but they're a little bit inspired by him, <laughs> right? Uh, and you also have Tyrion Lannister um, from Game of Thrones. Uh, I was thinking at one point that perhaps uh, Arya Stark might be kind of a little bit of a Queen of Swords woman portrayal in media, but she's a lot more like the Page of Swords uh, in, in the way that she's represented in mm -hmm. Game of Thrones. It's, it's hard to find some... It's hard to find some uh, women, I think, in, in media that are portrayed positively as the Queen of Swords. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it would. That's true. <laughs> it would be, it'd be nice if if we did see that more often. Would but Cersei Lannister be? I think in some ways she she definitely has a Queen of Swords quality to mm -hmm. her, um, but she's not quite like argumentative enough. She mm. she's much more reserved. I'd say she's. She's maybe more of a queen of wands, and we'll we'll talk a lot more about her um, when we get there mm -hmm. in in a little while. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the queen of swords unfortunately isn't normally portrayed too much, but I would say yeah, there's a little bit of queen of swords in in Cersei, and um, you know I would say maybe um, the 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 mother Stark. What's her name? Oh shoot! Oh no! Yeah, but. Uh, I'm gonna look it up. She's kind of like me. Yeah, she's kind mm. of a like matriarchal, strong matriarchal figures can definitely be represented by the Queen of Swords if they care. Oh, Catelyn. Catelyn. Her name is oh Catelyn Stark. Yeah, I'd say she's got a lot of that Queen of Swords characteristic about mm -hmm. her, where she's she rises above emotions and does um, what's needed. But she's also mm -hmm. she doesn't quite have the that the tongue of a Queen of Swords. Mm. You know, where the sharp tongue where she destroys people. Oh. Oh, the 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 queen of the queen of thorns in oh, Game of Thrones. She's yeah, yeah. a she's a good queen yeah. of swords character, yeah. I would say, and she's also very positive. That's true. That's true. Um, where she's yeah. able to kind of just cut people down yep. based off of their arguments, and they're they're left just a little bit bloody for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so strengths and weaknesses of the ENTP personality type. They are very knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Obviously, they. They uh, love learning all the time, um, especially abstract concepts, and uh, they just really absorb uh, these these ideas very quickly, and they're extremely curious people. Um, they're quick thinkers. They can make a lot of connections very quickly, and sometimes that's, it's almost like that's their, that's what makes them win in all those arguments, is they're able to think circles around people, right? Um, they're able to think faster than some people can even come up with a a defense for their argument, which doesn't necessarily make them right, but it does make it really hard to fight. <laughs> um, they're original. They have little attachment to tradition, um, and they're able to discard existing systems easily um, in order to get where they need to go. They're excellent brainstormers. Um, they can be very charismatic, believe it or not. Um, so despite people feeling kind of hurt by what they might say, these people are just so... Like they, there, there's a real charisma in a, in encountering a person who knows what it is that they're talking about and has really um, very good lot 
like logic in their arguments and I, I would say people are kind of drawn to that as much as they're repelled by it. <laughs> uh, and they're also very energetic, um, you know, probably because they have so much um, passion and curiosity, it, it definitely comes in, in with their energy as well. Um, their weaknesses are, of course, argumentative. <laughs> Which makes sense. Which you, yeah, um, this personality type is called the debater, by mm -hmm. the way. Uh, they can be very insensitive uh, because they, of course, value rational thought over emotion. Um, and they can also be really intolerant. Um, so, yeah, ENTPs are likely to dismiss not just the ideas, but also the people themselves. <laughs> and, you know... If, if the person can't really stand up to rational scrutiny, uh, ENTPs will think that person's not even worth bothering with, mm. which is kind of sad. Um, they can have difficulty focusing. They're probably because they have so many ideas and so much curiosity and energy. Mm -hmm. um, once again, kind of similar to the ESTP, they have some of those natural ADHD qualities to them, but not necessarily ADHD. Um, and they also dislike practical matters. They love exploring what could be, and they find it kind of tiresome to toil around in what actually is. <laughs> um, so especially if it comes to hard details and day-to-day -day execution. So uh, that's probably their biggest weakness there is um, they dislike having to toil around and do the same thing over and over and over again. Hmm. Um, probably because of the uh, the difficulty focusing as well. Yeah, all right, so um, I would say that that suits the Queen of Swords pretty well, especially the intolerance and the argumentative mm -hmm, quality. Definitely. Yeah, um, and definitely also with the quick thinking and the knowledgeable, um, as well as the excellent ability to brainstorm. Mm -hmm. I would say that if the Queen of Swords is showing up, she, she could also be helping a person brainstorm up new ideas and... Mm -hmm. uh, finding a way to overcome whatever challenges they're they're facing mm -hmm. yeah interesting all right so what greek mythology so i'm gonna be talking about atalanta today um as you were speaking especially about like the myers-briggs personality type there and mm -hmm. for a long time i have thought of the queen of swords to be clytemnestra yeah. Um, and I was going to talk about her, but the even the Atta Tarot um, says that the Queen of Swords in the Mythic Tarot is Atalanta. So yeah. I'm like, okay, well... That she is this person. That she is yeah. that. So I'm like, well, I kind of have to talk about Atalanta. But <laughs> um, like I said, just... And I think I mentioned Clytemnestra in other swords yeah. things. So I kind of... Maybe I might just wrap her up just because I feel bad not talking about her and Agamemnon. Just yeah. for a second, because I did say that I was going to kind of talk about that, especially when talking about Orestes and whatnot. Of course, yeah. So, Queen of Swords can appear many ways, I think. Definitely. <laughs> and just, like, again, just that the argumentative and quick thinking and that planning aspect yeah. is definitely quite a mastric. She was hurt by her husband because they sacrificed their daughter, and then he went off to war and left her for ten years. And so wow. she wasn't too impressed with that, and she was left to kind of rule the kingdom, and she did a good job with that, yeah. um, but did plan to kill <laughs> her husband when he came back <laughs> because she was pissed, <laughs> and of rightfully course. so. Yeah. And, that, and she did, and um, she did it with a sword as well, so which is also very... Um, Symbolic symbolic and but it's also again more of a masculine way to kill someone especially in greek mythology normally 
Like women would kill normally with poison, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, or yeah, just other means or methods other than a sword. A sword is a very male um, symbol in Greek mythology. So just wanted to put that out there. But, right. okay, yeah. back to Atalanta today. So um, she had a bit of a rough start of life. She was actually exposed at birth because her father had wanted a boy. Um, unfortunately, sorry, fortunately, she was suckled by a she-bear bear, and grew up in the forests and became very skilled in hunting and athletics. Oh, my gosh. So by exposed, you mean she was, like, rejected? Left out to she, die. She was left in the forest to die? Yes. And a she-bear? She-bear came and... Was like, I see you as my people. <laughs> yep. You are my people. Here is my breast. <laughs> yep. You are my people. Here is my breast. Yeah. <laughs> I feel suckled, like if, you know. if we if if we ever get t-shirts, I want that to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> you are my people. Here is my breast. Exactly. <laughs> I'm writing that down. We can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So there are a couple myths that she is involved in that I'm going to talk about today. The first one is the Caledonian boar hunt, mm -hmm. and the second is her marriage contest. Um, in some myths, she is actually also said to have been part of Jason's crew on the quest for the Golden Fleece, um, like for the Argos, on the Argo. Yeah. Um, but others say that Jason rejected her um, because she was a woman. So she asked to be a part of the crew and he said no. Oh, so she was supposed to be like one of the heroes. Yes. Um, yep. But because she was a woman, she was rejected. Exactly. Ain't yep. that just a way. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't let that stop her, though. So the so as for the Caledonian boar hunt, the king of Caledon and his wife had a son named Meliager. So again, have to do a bit of backstory <laughs> yeah. for things to make sense. Um, on the seventh day after Meliager was born, the fates appeared in his room. Two of them promised that the child would be handsome and brave, but the third pointed to a log burning in the fireplace and said, "When that log is consumed, the child will die." Oh. So, Althea, um, Miliager's mother, leapt from the bread, took the burning log from the fire and extinguished it, and put it at the bottom of a chest, which she hid in a secret part of the palace. So, obviously didn't want him to die. Of course. So, there we go. We have uh, some fate happening. Exactly. So, Miliager grew up, and he was handsome and brave, and was even one of the Argonauts. Um, but his father had offended Artemis by not sacrificing to her properly, and so she sent an enormous boar against the countryside around Caledon. So the boar tore up crops and uprooted trees and even killed anyone who would cross his path. Mm. So the king and Jason summoned many heroes from far and wide, including, including many of the Argonauts, as well as Meliadra's uncles from his mother's side. Um, and Atlanta also joined in. However, many objected to a woman coming along on this boar hunt, even though her sponsor and role model was Artemis. Oh. So, so she was basically, like, governed by Artemis herself, mm -hmm. the goddess of hunt. Mm-hmm. And... Taught her how to hunt and to live and to all these things, and... I can see the Queen of Swords having a lot of Artemis in her, mm -hmm. actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Miliager was attracted to Atalanta and demanded that she be admitted into the hunt. So that's how she was able to get in. Good old sexual attraction. Yep. <laughs> so it's kind of sad. She's so like she so she she's merits like, it so much. Oh, she's exactly. like this amazing amazing you know, hunter. hunter. You were going on a hunt. Hello. <laughs> and she's and she's accepted because she's pretty. Yep. Great. Yep. <laughs> 
Um, so the heroes closed in on the boar, but not before several, several were speared by its flashing tusks. Others also died when they were hit by friendly fire and their companions' spears had gone astray. Mm-hmm. Um, Atlanta was able to get in close and actually fired an arrow in the pig's ugly red eye, but it was Meliager who actually made the kill. Um, he skinned the beast and gave the pelt to Atalanta, seemingly because she had drawn the first blood, um, but it was also because he wanted to sleep with her. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes Here, sense. have some boar skin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Meliager's maternal uncles were very upset about this. It's like a leather jacket. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Sorry, okay. That's okay. So, yeah. yeah, his uncles were very upset about this and loudly um, projected. Protested. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Protested that a woman should receive, uh, should not receive a trophy and took it away from her. Oh. So Malager did not like this, tried to get it back, and in the scuffle, he actually killed his uncles. Wow. Yeah. So (laughs) when Malager's mother learned that her brothers were dead, she broke down in grief, and in her rage, she ran to the hidden trunk, took out the log, and threw it into the fire. Oh my gosh. And so my later died. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. His mom killed him. Mm-hmm. Wow. She was a bit upset. That's kind of some... I wonder if she ever regretted that. Probably. Probably. Probably very much, yes. Yeah. But, yeah. This is why we should think things through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before committing murder. <clears throat> yep. Yep. So In fact, that... you should probably never commit murder. No. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> never okay. Not a good idea. Never never a good idea, and you can quote me on that. <laughs> okay. So that's the story of the Caledonian Borat. Awesome. <laughs> Again, not surround like too much surrounding her, but yeah. she was in there and it showed her. It shows her, her personality prowess. definitely yes. and, exactly. and and how people react to her as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, their perception of her for sure. They want to reject her, but also are somewhat eerily attracted to her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So after this, Atlanta returned home to her father's house. um, And of course he wanted her to marry some man. um, But she was determined. Some man. Some man. (laughs) um, But she was determined to remain a virgin, much like Artemis. Okay. Um, At last, though, she did agree to marry, but they had to beat her in a foot race. Oh, Mm-hmm. This actually reminds me of Brave. Oh, okay. Like, Pixar's Brave. Yeah. So, it, like, maybe Meredith is kind of based maybe a little bit on Atlanta. Maybe. It reminded me of um, the chariot race, too, for Pelops that he was a part of for his bride. Oh, right. Remember, he had to beat the father. Yes, he had to beat the father. But in this case, Atlanta's, you know... She's Atlanta's in fighting for her, for her own hand. Exactly. Yeah. Or against it. <laughs> yeah. Um, because she was, again, very athletic. Yeah. So um, when a suitor would lose, as all of them did, <laughs> Atlanta would actually chop off his head and hang it from a staff at the edge of the stadium. Wow. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a little bit that's a little bit more dramatic than, than Pixar's Brave. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see Meredith like Killing all of her suitors. No, if you lose, that's it. So um, the way she would do this was by giving her suitor a head start. Um, huh. that, <laughs> and then come in from behind and skewer him in the back with her spear. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So soon... And no one caught on to this? Well, soon skulls of varying stages of decay dangled from staffs all around the stadium. Wow. Yeah. 
You would think you'd see that and you'd be like, no, I'm good. You know what? But no. No, I'll be the one. <laughs> I'll be the one that does yeah. it. So then came a man named either um, Melanion Melan- oh, or Hippomenes. Um, there are accounts. Names. No, they're just accounts of both names. Um, right. So either way, Aphrodite favored him and gave him three golden apples from the trees of the Hesperides. So this is, this is the same tree that um, the gold that Paris, Paris. Yeah. So Paris gave the golden apple to Aphrodite, and this is the tree that grew from that, or no, 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 no. no. There, this this tree is some is far off, and um, this is just would blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the golden apple that Paris had. Yeah. Came from that tree. Okay, so the, so this is just a tree that. This gives is a golden tree apples. that gives golden apples. Yes, it's one of Heracles' tasks too, is to go and get the apples. Oh, and this okay. is when he helps Atlas. Anyways. Yeah. Yes. So, golden apples. Um, okay. So, as usual, um, Atalanta allowed him to have a good lead. Yeah. And she must have liked him, though, a little better than the others, um, because she actually did allow him to distract her from her murderous habits. <laughs> so she didn't spear him this time. No. So when she would get close to him, though, um, he would let go of an apple, which she would stop to pick up. And this because is, that's worth something. Yeah, and this is what allowed him to win the race. So, I don't know. It makes me seem like, ooh, something shiny and then yeah. distraction. If you want to win a woman's heart, you got to distract her Just, with something shiny. <laughs> don't quote me on that. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I, I disagree. But go on. Anyways. Um, so, and, and that's how she lost. That's how she lost. So, yes. So and they get married? They did get married. So there's actually two two stories there. So the first one is that um, that the couple could actually not contain their lust for one another. Oh, my. Mm. Aphrodite was uh, hard yes. at work. And in a nearby shrine of Zeus, they enjoyed ecstatic intercourse. Um, which is definitely not allowed in such a sacred space. Oh, okay. <laughs> and because of this, Zeus changed them into lions, which is a fitting end because in Greek folklore, lions can only mate with leopards, but never with other lions. Oh. So it's to be like, oh, you're lions together, but you can never mate. I didn't know that. In folklore. That's not. Okay. That no. doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah. But that's an interesting tale. So he turned mm-hmm. them into something that they were, so that they would never be able to have sex again. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one version. The other version of the tale is that they did get married mm-hmm. and had a son who was actually one of the seven against thieves. Um, and but they were still turned into lions, <laughs> <laughs> drawing the chariot of um, Sibylle. Um, but this was caused by Aphrodite because Hippomenes, Atlanta's husband, um, had not been properly grateful to her. So again, didn't. Oh, so Aphrodite him. was was angry that yes. she didn't get like pro- proper sacrifices. Or exactly. Whatever. Yeah. Oh wow. Well. Yeah. Okay. So, transformation. Definitely definitely a transformation story. happening. Yeah, transforming <laughs> into, into a lion. lion. Um, yeah, I see a lot of the Queen of Swords there, which is, I guess, what she's based off of, right? Yeah. I, yeah. Um, the one thing that kind of that kind of strikes me as odd is that it's not really talking too much about truth, right? No, truth there isn't. All, no. All else. Mm-mm. But there's definitely that character and that personality of the Queen of Swords mm-hmm. in there. Um, yeah, so I would say that's probably where Tarot kind of maybe inspired by her and then yeah and then kind of went their own way with it which I mean yeah, it's fine that's yeah, what exactly you know. and then used the um the ideals of the sword suit exactly and a tr- like 
attributed that mm-hmm. to her as well. Yeah. That's why I kind of feel like Clytemnestra is a little more of the Queen of Swords, just because, again, that knowledge and seeking truth. And yeah, the seeking justice truth for the and truth justice. And yeah, so maybe maybe the, she was inspired by both. Could it's, be, it's yeah. It's possible, definitely. yeah. Um, yeah, but I think it's really interesting that, like, you could, like, um, Tyrion Lannister and uh, Captain Jack Sparrow, like, it's easier for me to find um, male personalities male. Mm-hmm. In, in the media than it is to find... The f- a, a female personality that fully captures the Queen of Swords. Mm-hmm. Although I'm really happy about the whole the Queen of Thorns. Yes, I think that um, one's a pretty good one. Yeah, she's for sure. And you know, swords, thorns—they're both prickly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And uh, you know, At- Atlanta definitely would skewer a few people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> and, she, and she did. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. All right, so we are over time. Uh, oh, we're over time. So. Okay, so let's wrap it up. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, so much as always for listening. We really, really appreciate it. We hit over thirty thousand listens this week. I wanted to Woo! mention it to you, so That's super awesome. exciting! Yay. Yay! Thank you so much Thank for you. for listening. I'm so happy that you guys are enjoying our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell others, comment. We love hearing from you. You know, you know the drill. Yeah. Um, just gonna. Just going to move on. Uh, today's <laughs> today's um, words of wisdom actually aren't coming from the American Tarot Association. They are coming from uh, an author, Cassandra Clare. And she says, I want to I make sure I quote it right. Tact is just lying for adults. <laughs> Myth and tarot. Where? Talk about stories, swords, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, tarot, 